Dion. I have this, as you know, this Lone Ranger complex where I, I really like to do things. I like to do good things. I like to help people, all that. I, you know, I love creating things. And then I sort of ride off into the sunset or I, I don't spend a lot of time talking about how people feel about the things I do. Um, as long as it worked and it was good and everything, I'm off. Uh, but from a, a business standpoint and now from, from a socially conscious standpoint, I've become curious about how people are seeing Blackjack and, you know, especially with the era, the time period we're in now, the things we're going through. Uh, I've sort of started questioning, not out of um, any lack of faith myself, but out of an interest, a genuine interest to know how people feel about the character and so on. So I figured you've been there from like way back. And uh, I thought, let me, let me go to Dion and see what she has to say about this. So, you know, I'm going to just hit you with a few questions, and I would just love for you to, you know, expound, you know, profusely or, you know, minutely, depending on how it hits you. But uh, mm -hmm. one of the things is, when did you first hear about the character or come across the character? Well, I have to say that uh, I haven't been... Uh, in the comic shops like I used to when I was a kid. But the first time I heard about uh, Blackjack was shortly after I met you at ECBA. And Which is I the saw East Coast Black Age of Comics. Yeah, I, just, I was just pointing it out for people who don't know what ECBA is. It's the East Coast Black Age of Comics convention. And where yes. is that? Uh, uh, that's in Philadelphia. And you live there, right? Uh, at it that happens time? every year between the second and third week of May. Ah, and you used to live in Philly. Yes, I used to live in Philadelphia. Now I live in Central New York. Oh, someone's got it. But, you. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Um, meanwhile, uh, no, I was the thing that got me about uh, blackjack was. Not just the time, but the way that you mixed in the historical reference, the actual people and places and things in the thing. It kind of, uh, it, it, it's kind of like a Stan Lee throwback for me. Like he talked about what he did with Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four. You know, uh, you could actually go to Peter Parker's address in New York City if you mm. wanted to go there. He wouldn't be living there, but you could go there. Um, I like the idea. I like the idea of um, Aaron coming across these historical figures and mixing with them. Um, but the thing that really blew me away, the first story. Uh, I forget the name of the story now because it's been a while since. Where I read was he it. located? But um, it was the one where he was dealing with um, the Musa files. Oh, um, that's the um, ransom for a dead king. Yes. 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 I have that one, and uh, I, I, you know, I have a ton of comics, so it was kind of hard. I was hoping to get that one and look through it before, but there was just too much to go through. But Mansa Musa was, he was the guy. 
uh, back in the back in the day when I first learned about African history, he was one of the real reasons that I once I discovered my blackness, I was never sorry about it again. Mm. And to find him, find him in a comic book about a black person finding out about him, his treasure, everything, I was like, yes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, that was, you know, it's funny too because uh, I created the character of Blackjack you know, over 25 years ago and I did a number of, of comics and graphic novel stories with him. Uh, the one you're actually talking about is one of our novels uh, and it was a um, an idea from someone else who, I, I guess Chris would say he's, we, we started out as friends and co-writers on other projects and then he became a Blackjack fan but it was like one of the things he he talked about for quite some time was, you know, we could sit and talk about Mansa Musa. And, and Chris was really excited about it. And when uh, we finally sat down to, to work on the story together, as a matter of fact, um, we looked at different ways of approaching it and narrating it. And because of some of the things that were going on at the time we wrote it, we chose to do it, as you put it, the, the, the Mansa Musa files. We chose to do it as a series of... of of correspondence between different individuals who were affected by the adventure, and you know, so it was it was it was a challenge to write it, uh, but I'm really glad to know that that it had that impact on you. And most assuredly, both Chris and I were tremendously excited to have an opportunity to to bring that person. I can't even call him a character to bring that person's accomplishments forward, even though. You know, he existed, you know, a thousand years ago um, to, through this story, make his accomplishments and status known. That was a, a, a big, a big goal for us. And I'm glad to know that it, 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 it resonated with you. Kind of a quick uh, diversion. I first learned about African history in my freshman year of high school as a punishment. As and, a punishment? Um, yeah, actually. See, um, our, our high school, let me give you a little background. Our high school was an experimental building. It was back in the 70s when they were experimenting with open classrooms, that sort of thing. And they also decided uh, instead of ringing a regular bell, they dismissed students with musical tones. Ah. Uh, that's the worst thing to do with a band geek. <laughs> Uh, so, needless to say, I learned I learned that it was a concert B flat, and I learned how to imitate it promptly. Now, if you think that adults had a hard time working with computers today, it was nothing like it was back in the seventies. Trying to program the bell to ring at the right time and all that sort of stuff, it was it was a, a major exercise, and so. Classes were getting dismissed and early, or you know, people were just running around. The teachers were crazy and everything else. So I gathered a ragtag fugitive fleet of my own, trained them to do it. And since we we're all freshmen, we would be in the same department generally. And so we would start. We started dismissing classes about one to two minutes early, just to see if we could do it. And then, then um, we got, you know. We got really, we got really cocky with the whole thing, you know. Um, I, I, I did it for about uh, a month and a half, and 
I got really cocky. Oh, uh, I was in my world studies teacher's class, and he had an enclosed classroom um, because he was he was doing a project at that time, and I dismissed the class 20 minutes early. Oh, no. And so I told him <laughs> that I had, I had done this. And, I, and the thing about it is that the way that I did it is was such that I didn't have to open my mouth to do it. So I said, you can't tell me to shut my mouth because I don't use my mouth to, to do this. And you'll never know when I'm doing it because the tone is not going to change. So he was furious. And he threatened to flunk me for the quarter and give me detention. Needs to say, in a black family home, bringing home an E or an F is next to a death sentence. So I was not, I was not pleased. But, yeah, but look at uh, what you did. I mean, I'm sitting here laughing, but look at what you did. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I know. So, um, but like I said, I was a bit of a class clown, and I. Um, because the bullies would always pick on me and all that sort of stuff. So I learned if you made them laugh, oh, they, didn't, yeah. they didn't chase you so much mm-hmm. because they couldn't catch your breath from laughing. So I did all the I did all the old standard impressions back of the day, and um, I impressed many of the teachers with this and stuff like that. And what uh, his contemporary, uh, Mr. Johnson, and both of these were two white guys, um, they said... They, Mr. Johnson realized that I was not being challenged enough. Ah. So what he proposed to to Shimonsky, uh was that I'd be given a shot to see how the other half lives. So he arranged for me to have a pass from um, from other classes for a bit to learn about African history. He gave me about two and a half weeks. And I was going to teach it after that to classes. So um, if I did that, I wouldn't have the tension or would I get the F, but I would be I would be graded on how well I knew the material and, you know, presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, I wound up with I wound up with a B plus, but studying, studying African history, I, I never really sought to claim my blackness before that. And the only thing I knew about Africa before that was um, what I saw in the Tarzan movies. To I knew you were going there, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And But when I heard about Moose's, uh, Moose's intellectual uh, accomplishments and decided, and decided to make learning available en masse, and he was, uh, he was a devout... Um, devout Muslim, and um, legend has it that on his pilgrimage, on his first Hajj, that he had that he had a piece of gold for every grain of sand in the Sahara. Well, he and was he that- was unbelievably wealthy, and yes, on his pilgrimage, uh, he did leave gifts with various people and communities that he traveled, you know, past or through. Uh, and a lot of that material, you, you sort of wonder, you know, cause you see all these movies, I grew up with some of that stuff too, you see all these movies about, you know, the, the safari and expeditions going into Africa and finding these treasures, seeking these treasures. And you, you know that some of them, not all, but some of them 
were looking for was it true that someone had done this and where is that stuff because it was all gold it was all gold and that still has value um I mean, I, I guess, you know, just to sort of steer us back, and thank you, by the way, for that background <clears throat> in your delinquent history. <laughs> but what it, it does also show us, aside from giving me some really fun material to razz you about later, is, again, the significance of knowing where you come from and, and being made aware of strong role models and figures, male, female, whatever, in the past or from the past, who have made significant contributions to world society in some way, shape, or form? You know, ignorance is not bliss; never has been. You know, it's it's a good it's a good narcotic for people to swallow if they don't want to have much to do, or if folks want to manipulate you. But ignorance is not bliss. Uh, and that's what, that's why I think that's the thing that caught me, because um, after reading that and reading other other books. Um, from Aaron's, Aaron's exports and what have you, I saw the mix of uh, history with uh, black folk who contributed significantly at that time. I saw, I saw, um, here, here was a, here was a family. They were well off and they, um, he was Shaft before Shaft even was thought about, it seems to me. And that was like so cool. You know, people were scared. People were scared just to speak to brother's name. And I kind of liked that. And his, and he, family was important to him. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, and that was all of that spoke to me. And the thing about it is, is that the idea that you were teaching, you were teaching us about history and our history was really, really, um, I mean, not only did it blow my mind, but it made me want to read more. Well, thank you. Thank you. I mean, again, it's, it's funny. I'll do this very quickly because uh, I want to answer you a couple more questions. But the first time that that hit me, when I was writing this material, I was absolutely about having fun and, and creating a, you know, an, an action-adventure series that would entertain, but I absolutely wanted to share the other material. And um, in Blackjack, Blood and Honor, which was the second storyline that I did as a, as a graphic novel, a comic book, started out as a comic book, but then became a graphic novel, uh, <clears throat> Aaron is hired to go to Japan to bodyguard a Japanese dignitary. And, you know, there's, there's racial issues in there and there's a lot of other stuff. And, and I don't paint Aaron, as you know, I don't paint Aaron as this perfect, uh, unflawed individual. So, I mean, part of it is his father had had, had a thing about, you know, people who were Chinese or Japanese, you know, a black man who's, who's facing bigotry had bigotry. And so Aaron didn't know whether or not that was in him. So part of his thing was to take this assignment and find out would he handle it differently just because of who he was going to be working for. Stay tuned for part two.